Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Imagine a land where women and girls run wild and free, where we're supported to feel, encouraged to express, and where we experience true collective healing. A place where we can play, laugh, and howl under the moon. Here, you can let your guard down and come back to the essence of wild womanhood, your nervous system finally able to relax in the total absence of men and the total presence of sisterhood. Women call this the magic place. And as female-only spaces continue to dwindle, securing land of my own for women's festivals has been a lifelong dream come to fruition. So I'm thrilled to announce and invite you to the second annual Matriarch Rising Festival that will take place here in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, June 19th through the 24th. This is an exclusive Wild Woman's Summer Solstice Gathering. A week of dancing, nude sunbathing, communing with the elements, singing, and falling in love with what it means to be alive as a woman. Tickets are officially on sale and they will sell out, so head over to matriarchrisingfestival.com for all the details and to get your ticket. Can't wait to see you there. After a fiery and fast initiation into motherhood, Christine dove into everything birth and enrolls in the first round of the Radical Birth Keeper School. Today, she tells us her story of a lifetime of manifesting her motherhood, practicing living in trust, and having the peaceful, casual Friday afternoon free birth with her second son that was everything she wanted. I feel like this is a long time coming in some some respects. I'm excited to have you here and hear the full details. You know, I feel like I kind of know your story, obviously, because I know you, but to hear the all the tiny little details of your journey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kick us off wherever you want to start with your initiation into motherhood. Yeah, I'd love to start with my journey into manifesting motherhood which I sort of accidentally did. (laughs) I've known I wanted to be a mother forever. I mean, I was always a nanny and then I'd always be like, oh yeah, these are my kids and like embody the mother. Mm -hmm. But 
I used to do this new moon practice of um, writing out my dream life as if it were current. Mm. And I went back and looked through all these writings after I had had Jasper. And every single one of them, the main focus was being a mother. And I didn't even realize that until looking back at it all but it was always so focused on motherhood and then my life partner um and little did I know was that going to manifest so quickly after that and it all worked out amazingly but when I met my partner in Australia I well before that I saw this vision of me and a man and then like a baby a barefoot half naked baby sitting on a blanket and that was the vision and then when I met Jake I was nannying for my yoga teacher and there was this moment where we were both sitting on this blanket and the baby that we were that I was nannying was sitting there with us half naked barefoot I was like oh my god wait (laughs) this is the vision and then now you know we have two barefoot naked babies and we same thing it's the vision it just you know Mm -hmm. kept jumping to reality so I found myself pregnant in Australia seven months after meeting Jake and I did not know that it was that fast yeah it was fast whoa yeah but it was it was like on from the beginning totally yeah I mean I saw that vision when I first met him um and The thing we say is that everyone should move into as small of a space as possible Uh with their partner that they think is the one Mm -hmm. to see if it actually is because I moved into his van and it was perfect. Like we got along amazingly. So that's what I never understood with relationships where they're like taking it slow and like they don't want to move in together. It's like you may as well, because it's not going to weirdly be better in like mm. a couple years. Like, however it is, is how it's going to be. Yeah. Johnny and I moved in. Oh my God. Very soon, like five weeks or something. And that was our thinking was like, yeah, yeah. Our agreement was he'll move out whenever we stop having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Still with you. <laughs> okay. So you're just like kicking it in his van going all in and the pregnancy is welcomed and, and a joyous reception, or is it like, holy guacamole? So the, the week before we conceived, which we didn't know it was that soon until hindsight, but, um, the week before we conceived, we were walking on the beach and I was scarcely tracking my cycle and we were, it wasn't very, you know, responsible. (laughs) if we really didn't care but clearly we yeah but looking back we had this very important conversation a week before conception where we said like you know if the universe wants us to have a baby it doesn't matter if I'm on birth control or not if I was on birth control and the universe wanted us to have a baby it would still come and if if I wasn't meant to have a baby no matter how hard we tried it wouldn't happen. You know, like we, we really just believed that no matter what was supposed to happen would happen. And it happened immediately after that conversation of just sort of opening the door a little bit. And that was almost exactly a week after that conversation. How did, how did you discover you were pregnant? What, what's like the story there? 
I felt implantation and so did Jake. My, my uterus was twitching. It was probably like, it was a few days after we had just this moment where I, I, I was like, if we didn't just make a baby, then I don't know what that was. Um, so I kind of knew in that moment, but then my uterus was twitching and I grabbed Jake's hand and was like, feel this. What is that? And it was, it felt like something was burrowing. <laughs> and he's like, what is that? And I, was like, I don't know. So I think I knew in that moment, but didn't allow myself to. And then every day I'd wake up feeling like I was microdosing LSD or something. Um, and so that was another reason I knew and I'd wake up just super hungry. And it was after that, I, I pretty much knew that I was pregnant. And then I took, this is a whole long story, but I took a pregnancy test the day before Jake went to do his visa interview for the US. And we had no idea we would be pregnant. We just wanted to come here anyway. And so then I ended up going to the doctor the day of his visa interview when he got back. And basically, yeah, found out I was pregnant on that day. And that was not, I cannot picture you going to the doctor. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I can't see that in my head. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this pregnancy. Really? um, I had two ultrasounds because I was, I was bleeding. This is why I went to the doctor. I was bleeding and I had a lot of pain Mm. um, in my, what felt like, you know, where my ovaries kind of are. Um, I think that pain was from a UTI, but the bleeding kept happening. I was nervous about ectopic pregnancy. So I did get an ultrasound transvaginal, which was absolutely horrible with a UTI. And they made me keep my bladder full the whole time. Like that's not good. Um, yeah. And then I kept bleeding after that ultrasound and I was still scared. So I was like, give me another ultrasound. So I had two ultrasounds before seven weeks and then none after that. Yeah. But I was seeing this random general practitioner in in Australia because I didn't obviously have a doctor there and I wasn't, we were about to leave the country. So I wasn't going to try and establish something with someone else. I had all the symptoms of anemia, you know, textbook symptoms of anemia, which I didn't really realize. And I had been vegan for three years before getting pregnant and I was just feeling so sick. I couldn't Mm. stand for more than five minutes without feeling like I was going to pass out. Maybe not like two minutes. That's not good. Yeah. And I felt like I was going to black out all the time, heart palpitations. And so I went in and told them this. And the only thing they really heard, I think, was the heart palpitations. And they did an EKG on me. Whoa. And didn't do anything else. Um, They had done blood tests before, but none of them relating to iron. And they sent me home saying like, oh, it's just a pregnancy thing. You're just, you know, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And that day... Um, oh, I wanted to go to the pharmacist or the pharmacy to get an iron supplement because I 
looked up all my symptoms and was like, oh yeah, it's, it's anemia. Obviously I just need an iron, something to boost my iron. And then I saw that they had iron tests there. So I just got my finger pricked and they're like, oh yeah, that's real low. So I was like, okay, I went to this general practitioner. He knows, he knows I'm vegan. He knows I'm pregnant. He knows all these symptoms I'm having. And he didn't even consider that it could be anemia. And I was like, that makes way more money off the referral for the EKG, Christine. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you have to go to worst case scenario. (laughs) That was my first sign into totally trust yourself. I mean, it wasn't my first in my life, but in this pregnancy, you know, it was like, okay, I know my body best. That was the first little snippet of that. Um, it, I thought it was hilarious though, that <laughs> some random woman at the pharmacy could tell me and yeah. And then we moved to America. Friends and family were sort of scaring me into the idea that I could potentially have a kidney infection because I mentioned I had a UTI for so long because I had this UTI that wouldn't go away. Um, other side note, that doctor gave me antibiotics for this UTI and I did take them because he was like, oh, it's really dangerous for you to have a UTI for too long, kidney infection, blah, blah, blah. And then he kept prescribing me the same um, antibiotic over and over again that wasn't making it go away. So mm-hmm. that was another sign of like, no, I'm not taking these antibiotics that aren't doing anything. And clearly you don't even care because you're just, this isn't working and you're not helping me find a different solution. So then I saw an OB in Chicago because I was scared of this kidney infection. That's all I was there for. I was not at all planning to have him be a part of any of my care, let alone my birth. Um, and it was just this last minute appointment, the soonest one I could get. And it was this old man who, yeah, didn't even introduce himself or anything. I'm pretty sure, no, I had my clothes on when I met him, but I think he asked me to take them off and I did sort of my brain shut down, you know, when you're in there and he, he tapped my kidneys as soon as I got there and was like, did that hurt? And I said, no. And he said, okay, no kidney infection. (laughs) And right then I should have been like, okay, goodbye. But then he went into, you know, like when you give birth, blah, 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 we're going to have this many appointments. And I didn't say anything, but I just wasn't, I was planning on not ever coming back. And then he did an internal exam without even really telling what me the fuck? he didn't even warn me like maybe he was doing like a external exam and then just kind of shut up it. what yeah. yeah and jake was in there to in the room too and it was just oh it was horrible and i left there just gross oh, oh my god i'm I so sorry so violated and i had Ugh. no idea he was gonna do that like i literally just went there to see if I had a kidney infection. Well, this is what happens. And then before you know it, you're naked getting finger banged by a pervert, perverted old dude. Totally. And you fucking paid him for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I know this is women are in this position all the time, every day. This is rape culture. I used to work for a midwife who, you know, about the pro- like proven pelvis. Do you know about this whole thing? 
Mm. Well, proven pelvis, they, they call it in the system. It's a disgusting term for once, once you've had a vaginal birth, but there's this medical midwifery, uh, kind of like trick where you do an internal exam. Um, and there's a whole certain handshake to how you do it and how you rotate your hand. It's very disgusting. And you do it to tell the woman how much space there is Mm. to, so the midwife I used to work for had this like thing where she would do this like extravagant internal exam at some point in the pregnancy and then be like, you're so wide, you could birth a horse. It's like, it's like the other end of the pendulum, you know, like, like I'm sure she thought her intentions were empowering, but like, holy fuck, women are still getting raped by their provider, but now it's rooted in encouragement. Right. Mm. Yeah. Like the whole internal exam for prenatal care is so beyond because there's literally no purpose other than to finger a woman. Like there's no actual, it's proving nothing. It's doing nothing. And everyone fucking knows it. Ugh. Okay. So you have like a weird beginning. So yeah. And then I ended up seeing a home birth midwife in Chicago because I didn't know if we'd be moving or not. And that was sort of whatever. And then we moved to Colorado. So then I found this midwife who I thought was just like Ina Mae Gaskin, which, you know, I wouldn't hire her either, but right. She probably was. (laughs) (laughs) So she said she had been catching babies since 72. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's grounds enough for me to hire you. And I was 34 weeks when I moved here. So Mm -hmm. I just hired her because I wanted that security. Um, And side note, like yeah, Anime Gaskin's books are the reason why I had a home birth in the first place. Um, like the, just the birth stories in them, really. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, That's what inspired this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, was those stories and being like, we need those stories, but free birth ones on a virtual space totally. because those stories are everything. We would all gobble them up, right? Totally. Yeah. So I found her and there were so many red flags. Oh, no. But- <laughs> A classic tale. Yeah. So I went to 38 weeks and on 38 weeks, quote on the dot, um, I went into labor super abruptly. We'll say, you know, I was just boom in labor. And since these licensed midwives want to know exactly you know, how far apart your contractions are, how long they are so that they know if they can come or not. I was trying to time them with one of those apps and they were just all over the place. They were like on top of each other and they were all of a sudden just so strong. So I was texting her all these things and she was telling me I was probably in prodromal labor and that I should just rest and all this stuff. I'm in the bathtub like moaning. And this is an hour after I started leaking fluid. And so I've heard from other women who have birthed with this midwife that she really needs to know that you're in labor before she comes. Like she Mm. does not come if you tell her to, unless she really thinks you're in labor. And she even told me like, do not call me past 9 PM unless, (sighs) you know, you're deeply in labor. Right. Right. It's so gross. Like, what about if you were scared and needed to talk something out? Like, what about yeah. the whole point of why you ask a woman to walk with you? Yeah. And now being someone who is supporting women through this, like, those are the things that I want to be a part of, you know? 
Of course. Foster like real connection with this woman who you are literally watching bring a baby into this world and you need to be connected with that woman. And people need things at different times. Sometimes the start of labor is the scariest part where the woman needs the most reassurance and support. And then once they drop in, they're like totally fine. And you're invisible, you know, I mean, uh, you just, you know, this whole thing is like trying to put it into a box that works for a business model and it just, it's bullshit. Yeah. So Jake wasn't even there for the first hour, hour and a half, because I sent him off to get popsicles or something. And so this is when I was texting the midwife, whatever. And then Jake came home and then I had him call her to come. And by the time she got there, I was already off. I was already gone (laughs) into the ethers. So I barely, I have these little snippets of seeing her like walking around, making the bed and doing all these things. But yeah, his labor felt like just one big contraction. How many hours was it total? Four, four and a half. What? At 38 weeks. So this midwife had, she said she has never experienced this ever. So she was just blown away. Now she checked heart tones a few times. And I remember that just being so uncomfortable. And she might've checked me when she got there. I really don't remember. I started throwing up with every single contraction, which I think really accelerated things as well. (laughs) It was crazy. And yeah. It sounds like an ayahuasca journey. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, I remember at one point, the whole last hour felt like transition the whole time. Um, I remember the only thing I, I could relate it to was a psychedelic trip and being like okay the only way out is through you just have to keep going because I tried to lay down in bed and give up (laughs) yeah that didn't didn't work work. didn't stop um yeah and then I was kneeling next to the bed on the floor and I felt like I had to poop really bad and was like I need to go like we need to go to the bathroom and she was like no that's probably the baby's head um I think she said like let's get you on the bed and check you. And I felt like I was pressing a little bit and I felt comfortable there. Like I was kneeling on the ground, leaning against the bed, about to push and just, I don't remember transitioning to the bed, but I know it happened obviously, but they transitioned me, her and Jake somehow like transitioned me to the bed, lying down, knee, like knees to chest. And she did the cervical lip, you know, <sighs> Um, oh, let me just, let me just move this little piece of cervix out of the way for you. And then like, okay, you can push now. (laughs) Um, And I did have to push. And so she was, she was sitting at my vaginal opening. I was lying back, looking up at her, basically. And I'm pretty sure she had her hands on my yoni the whole time. You know, I started pushing and he came out very fast. So she, she was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Like his head's already almost out. So that was really good to hear, but I didn't need it. You know, like I, I wish she wasn't there in the first place, but in the moment I was like, oh really? Like, cool. Um, it was reassuring to hear it. And then 
at one point I remember her reaching for my hand, grabbing my hand and putting it on his head emerging. And I was like, no, like what? I don't want to touch his head. Like, you know, and that was really weird. Like she literally grabbed my hand and put it there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I know from my second birth, like I had my hand there the whole time, but just her grabbing it and putting it there. I was like, okay. And I was not, I didn't want to touch his head in that moment. You're also, I bet you when you were holding your Yoni with your second child, you also were not in a humiliating turtle on its shell upside down with every, like, that's a very humiliating position. And then to like, touch yourself, like, of course not. And have someone else be like, this is your baby's head. You should touch it. It was that. And okay. This part I always forget about. And I side note, I took Jasper, this was my firstborn, to craniosacral therapy two days ago. And we, he's, she's a birth integration therapist. So we went over his birth story and talked about things that were maybe violating to him. And this was the one that we really found to be the thing that maybe shows up in his behaviors right now. Uh, so licensed midwives, at least here in Colorado, need an assistant present you know, unless it's like really impossible. But so she had this woman come over. And since my birth was so fast, she came in as he was crowning. And the doorway to my bedroom is was like confronting the doorway of my Yoni of him coming out. So this woman who I've never met in my life, who obviously Jasper has never been around that energy in the womb, like walked in as as he was making his big entrance into the world. And so he had strangers eyes on him as soon as he came in. And yeah, that's huge. And a whole thing that I think he's unpacking right now. He's only almost two, but it's really obvious. So that was interesting. It was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like pushing my baby out right now. Nice to meet you. Gross. Yeah. And then on my chest, all that placenta was ready to come out very soon after. And looking back, I know she pulled it out for me. She told me to give a little push. I was lying on my back and it literally slid out without me even trying. I was too scared to push. So I barely, you know, maybe like did a little half-assed contraction, but I know she pulled that out of me. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to ask her for the records of my birth to see when the cord was cut. It was way too early, way too early. And that that's the most triggering part of my story for me was, was that moment of her handing Jake the scissors and being like, here, cut the cord. And then me, I remember just looking up at them, like feeling helpless, like, uh, wait, what? And that was something I never talked with her about before and didn't, you know, but it shouldn't have been here. Jake cut the cord. It should have been, are we ready to cut the cord? And I probably would have said no, (laughs) but yeah, I wish I had more time with them connected. And then also more time with the placenta because we sent that off to get encapsulated that night. Whoa. That was out of the house that night, which I would never ever do. Um, or, 
do to another woman, you know? So that's pretty much his birth. How long after his birth does it take you to start critiquing this? And yeah, like working all that out. Probably a couple of months. Cause after his, his birth, I was so on fire. Just like, even though that birth was sabotaged by a midwife, you know, in a lot of ways, it was so like, I found my power after it because birth is that way, you know, and motherhood and coming into yourself. It was really amazing. And that's when I opened the doors to birth work and had signed up for a doula training. And then the radical birth keeper school came out and I'm like, that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was listening to your podcast and hearing other women's stories and hearing the same stories as what happened and being like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. wait, I didn't like that. And no, like that didn't feel good. And no, like what effect did that have on my baby and all these things. And I remember unpacking it. And I've heard this story on the podcast too, from some woman of bringing this to my partner and being like, this wasn't right. And then being like, no, it was perfect. Like, how can you even say that? And it took him a very short time to be on the same page with me. Just a little bit of, you know, me explaining things and him being like, oh, wait, wow. Yeah, that is so true. And it was all very rapid after his birth and yeah then just totally dove into all of it just so fast and so deep sort of like how Jasper was born and that was his story like their personalities really show in their births and it's it's really beautiful to see that so you take the school you start questioning things you get on the same page with your guy And then (laughs) how old is Jasper when you get pregnant again? He was seven or eight months. And that was during the school. And it was also right before my first birth attendance. So I remember attending this woman, like just hanging around this woman who was really in the portal of birth for a week or two and feeling so tripped out and being like, whoa, I really feel her psychedelic birth energy. And then realizing that that was my conception <laughs> energy. So That's funny. yeah, we conceived our second child Sequoia on the Lionsgate portal eight, eight um, in 2020. And that was an accidental manifestation accident accidental conscious conception um we were like oh let's just have another baby now wouldn't it be easier like let's just let's just do it and then two days later we're like wait no that's a really bad idea we shouldn't do that and I was already pregnant (laughs) no no take backs (laughs) be careful what you wish for For I love that one of the thoughts was wouldn't it be easier Yeah. I mean, we were planning to like move to Australia. So we're like, let's just have another baby here and then we can move to Australia. Mm-hmm. That one's born. And yeah. So this was also right after I met the teacher that you introduced me to here in Colorado. So I was like, oh my God, I have a traditional midwife here. And I, from the beginning, I had no idea if I would 
you know, what I would utilize her for in that regard of my own pregnancy and birth up until the day I gave birth, I had no idea. Um, but I always envisioned myself having a free birth. So I, I knew pretty much, but I was like, but wait, I have the most amazing midwife here who I feel so safe and trusted with. Don't all women want this? And mm. like, I could utilize that. And it's just the option of having her that yeah. made me feel so held. Mm-hmm. So, and so why, when it came down to the day, was there much like assessment or was it just an obvious no? Like why, why didn't you want her there? Yeah, it was obvious. I was just like, yeah, I'm doing this. Al-. Like, I just feel comfortable here with Jake alone. And just, I didn't want another energy in the space. Mm-hmm. We had Jasper like leave the space. Um, yeah. Cause he was so little. Yeah. He was not even one and a half yet. 16, 17 months. Wow. And it was his nap time. It was, he, I gave birth after, right after his nap would have ended and he hadn't napped. So it was just not really doable to the point of mm-hmm. Jake being able to support me in the way that I wanted him to. And mm-hmm. I would have rather had him leave and less people there than having someone else okay. come in. Yeah. And then Jake would be able to support me, but then there's all the chaos, you know? Yeah. So his pregnancy was fun. It was just, I was just pregnant and that was it. And I did absolutely nothing. The only thing I did with um, this traditional, traditional midwife was like, I'd be like, Oh, is this the head? And she'd be like, yeah, that's totally the head. And this is a femur and here's all this. And she heard the heartbeat once on the fetoscope, but every time I went to like put them on it, it kind of went away. So <laughs> I didn't even really feel called to hear the heartbeat or anything. And uh, the, the biggest part of that pregnancy was the prenatal circle that I started. And I started that before I was even pregnant and before I knew that I was going to be pregnant. So it was just a little surprise that I got the benefits of my own circle but that was really fun and now we have a group of women who are still connected after we've all had our babies too <laughs> since I gave birth to Jasper at 38 weeks exactly for some reason I set my mental due date as 37 weeks <laughs> so then I got to 37 weeks and I'm like okay I'm ready like where's my baby and I gave birth to him at 39. I went into labor at 39, almost. And so those last two weeks really felt like I was overdue. <laughs> Women will roll their eyes at me who have gone to 42 totally. or three, but it really felt like that. And well, it proves that it's all rooted in expectation. Totally. If you've set an expectation for 37, 39 feels really late. That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, but it proves the point. It's absurd that that people feel like, oh, you know, yeah, like over it before the baby's born. Really? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I don't have compassion for it. It's hard. I, I get it. Totally. But so much of it is rooted in thinking it should already be done. I mean, that's all it is. Exactly. I mean, okay. I, I guess it could also be like physical comfort, physical discomfort, yeah. like da, 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 but really at its core. And I get it. We're all programmed to this weird due date concept that we all know also is a scam. And yet people still use the word 
very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I was in a lot of discomfort with, with Jasper and Sequoia the last week and a half to two weeks. They just sit so low, like not all women experience this, but for me, the last week and a half is like, I have a bowling ball between my legs and, um, they both came out with very <laughs> extreme cone heads too. So that was just them sitting so low in my pelvis, just molding to it. But yeah, I, every single day I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And every night I'd wake up in the middle of the night, like, Oh, is it happening? And he'd kick my bladder and I'd be like, Oh, is that my, <laughs> you know, water breaking? Well, was there much fear to cont- contend with? Or oh my was God, it none? I really was pretty much sitting in a place of no fear. I mean, it crossed my mind of like, Oh, what if this, what if that, but it very rarely and nothing was contributed to that. Like nothing right. was added to it. It's pretty, it's a pretty sweet like setup too to have done like the RBK school worked with a underground midwife, seen a bunch of normal births, be well-supported And I mean, for better or worse, your first birth, the only fuckery that went down was the the midwife. It had nothing to do with you and baby. So totally. So with Jasper's birth, my first one towards the end of the pregnancy, all I could hear was mom, I got this. Trust me. Hmm. I know what I'm doing. And I, that really happened. And during labor, I heard it too. And that's what he did. He just freaking came out and I didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really was coming from a place of trust and that's, that's where I'm at with birth work of, you know, I will show up for you. I trust you. I trust your baby. And that's what it's all rooted in for me is that trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in the bath listening to your podcast cause it was a Friday and I felt my first real contraction <laughs> quote because I had been experiencing practice ones and I got super excited and told Jake and I had him set up the whole place with the pool and I didn't tell him to do this but he set up twinkly lights and a tapestry and the salt lamp and like put my birth playlist on oh my god Um, and Jasper was running around getting so excited and I was like pretty much naked besides my bra since Jasper was, you know, boob obsessed. Um, and just like walking around with Jasper and they were so far apart and I was waiting for them to just be on top of each other like they were with Jasper, but they weren't. And they never got close together, even to the end. And it, from the start, I really wanted to be in water. So I got in the pool very early on. This birth was longer than my first but so much more peaceful and so calm and slow. And so I was in the pool with Jasper for a while, which was fun. And we were really just playing because there was more time in between the contractions Mm -hmm. than the contractions were, which I, it was such a new experience for me. Eventually he got really tired and, So we asked a friend to come take him on a walk for us. And then Jake was able to come be with me. And 
at one point I got on my phone and ordered food for delivery (laughs) and by the time it got there I didn't want it but I say I joke around that this was not an undisturbed birth because there was a man outside leaf blowing the entire time entire time annoying yeah so that was my only complaint but like I really can't call this birth painful honestly like the contractions were I never want to use the word easy but why not I don't I don't know I just feel like it's wrong but because it's not it wasn't easy to do but it was really doable um with Jasper's labor it was all the energy was up and out and out of control and Mm -hmm. upward into the ethers but with Sequoia's birth I felt like I dove down into my uterus and was very much here in -hmm. this plane not in the underworld not up here I was really present here in my home Um, And I remember staring at something, every contraction, I would just focus on one thing. I I don't remember what I was looking at because I was in my uterus. Like I was looking in my uterus. That's awesome. Looking forward, if that makes sense. Jake was like, what's happening? Like, are these contractions even real? Like you're just so quiet. I was very quiet. In Jasper's birth, I was very loud. And um, yeah. I remember there was one contraction where I could feel like I was going to throw up on the next contraction. Like I knew that was going to happen. So then I shifted myself and got into a position where I could throw up and I was in the pool the whole time for like six hours. And that next contraction I did throw up. And once again, I expected to throw up for an hour straight because that was what happened with my first, but during this one I didn't I just threw up that one time and then the next contraction was really big and intense and I reached inside of me after that to see if I could feel his head and I couldn't and I was like oh my god like I'm not even close I thought because I threw up like he beat Mm -hmm. me soon and then the next contraction came and his head dropped down and was crowning Ah! immediately like I didn't even try he just (laughs) dropped down on his own, you know, found his way and was emerging. And I, I said like, Oh my God, the baby's here. Baby's here. And Jake ran over and turned the camera on (laughs) and then ran back. And then I pushed the rest of his body out and he was born. It was so casual. This birth Mm -hmm. was so casual. Like I just call it the casual Friday afternoon birth. I remember I was holding him and I looked down at him and he was breathing and looking at me, but he wasn't making a peep. I was like, uh, <laughs> he's I like, remember- what's up mom? You did good. <laughs> I remember my, my mammalian brain was so at peace and calm and was like, Oh, my baby's here and he's so healthy. And then my logical brain was like, why isn't he crying? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then I, <laughs> I told Jake to call Rosie and I was like, wait, he's breathing and he's smiling at me, but he's not crying. And she was like, he's just chill. I was like, oh yeah, he's just chill. It's good. He's just chill. And um, he was born in peace. 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of babies don't cry. mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the reason I shared my birth video was it was after you posted a birth video and got all this feedback of like, oh my God, the baby didn't cry. What's wrong with it? And oh, right, right, right. Mine of him not crying because it's, it's normal when you're birthing in peace and undisturbed for them to just be born and just be happy. And sometimes they don't cry for days. Yeah. He didn't cry for the first like three hours or so. Um, yeah. And then I got out of the tub and I was experiencing the worst contractions, mm. worse than labor. Mm. And I was like, I need to get this placenta out right now. And um, like, I noticed that some women's firewalks aren't the birth, you know, like sometimes it's the end of pregnancy. Sometimes it is birth. Sometimes it's for me, it was the placenta. And then the days following with the after pains. Mm, brutal. We had Jasper come back right away because we got super excited. And then I found myself in more pain and not being able to move than I was in labor. Uh, like his labor was easy. His placenta and then the days after were the hard part for me. And yeah, I wanted to get in bed. I just wanted to get in bed. <laughs> And then that was way worse. I was experiencing contractions in my hips, so I couldn't move my legs and I could feel the weight of the placenta in there. And oh, it was just brutal. And I, I really wanted it out, but I didn't want to push it out. And I, you know, like the, the midwife pulled it out. So I was like, oh yeah, the placenta, no problem. Like I didn't even think about it because I was like, oh yeah, it just plops right out. You don't even have to try. But, and sometimes that might be the case, but for me, like the midwife actually pulled it out and this midwife and this traditional midwife came over because Jake couldn't help me because Jasper was there. And so I had her come and she held Sequoia and knelt on the bathroom floor while I squatted on the toilet and I was holding the cord and then um, this was like the most significant moment of my birth of this really peaceful song playing in the background. And then me being in the dark in the bathroom, looking down at this woman who I really trust and know and love holding my baby and just mm -hmm. cord, and I was holding it. And I just like took a few deep breaths and it, you know, I pushed it out and that felt like the emergence. You totally. know, like that was the moment. And unfortunately the days following, I felt like I couldn't really connect with him fully because I was in so much pain, mm. but yeah, that was his story. And that's what, it, what ended up happening that his, like his emergence was peaceful and painless and yeah. I mean, it wasn't painless. It stung. I thought I tore open like front and back, but I didn't tear at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was that. And it was so peaceful and casual and mm -hmm. everything I wanted. What's it like with two small children? Oh my God. It is hard. I, 
I look back on having just Jasper and laughing at myself for thinking that was hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would do anything to be able to experience that ease, you know, of just having one. So yeah, it's, it's really hard. Dang. Cause you know, Jasper wasn't hard. Babies are, you know, can be hard to deal with cause it's, it's a lot, but they're, yeah, they're people. Sequoia <laughs> can fall asleep without me touching him sometimes Mm. like he'll just sometimes I'll lay him on the bed and he'll fall asleep on his own like he is way chill nice so so that really helps and yeah he sleeps really well at night and I was I got very lucky to have him come through after Jasper how like haggard and overwhelmed do you feel if if any with two littles like do you feel like you have your like self back or are you, do you still feel pretty like open and blah yeah really roller coasters um I'm starting to feel more grounded now four months later but for a while I felt very very up and down and mostly out of control and just so overwhelmed yeah I bet on top of, you know, I, I get this like burst of motivated, inspired energy postpartum around like two months. And then I want to like do all these things and I try, and then I get really burnt out right away. So I did that a little bit. And then I took a step back and was like, okay, all you need to do right now is take care of your children and yourself. Mm -hmm. Just chill out and do that. Focus yeah. on that. So, that's what I am doing now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, how can people find you if they're in Colorado or if they want to follow you, learn more about what you're up to? Yeah. My Instagram is at blooming womb. And my website is also bloomingwomb.com. So yeah. Awesome. Anything else you want to add before we close? Everything I do, mother, motherhood, birth work, just living my life is in trust. And that, that's all it takes is trust in yourself and trust in your baby and your body and other women too, you know, like surrounding yourself with other women and seeing, you know, seeing it all. So yeah. I love the image of her in the bathroom with you. I can really see it in my head. It's beautiful. That would be a really like sweet painting, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way she was just like, I don't know if her eyes were closed, but it was, she was just fully holding space, like 100% holding space. And she wasn't there, you know, like looking at my baby and right like, oh my god I love holding this baby it was right. literally just mm-hmm. breathing. she was just breathing totally and it was everything that mm-hmm. I needed awesome yeah love it thanks thank for you. having me on yeah thank you it's nice to yeah. hear it and in completion I feel like I was there it's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see it in my head yeah, yeah. awesome thank you mm-hmm And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, 
in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension, I will fly and bring her back from the stars. Conscious 